Hello and welcome to the Bite Sized Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are Troy Sandlin and Catherine Linquist. Hello. Hello. We're also joined by a special guest, Reese from Jetpack 7. Hello. Reese, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely great. How are you guys doing? Really well. Really well. Fantastic. We are really excited to have you. Um, We kind of uh, crossed paths. You reached out to us a couple weeks ago, just uh, wanting to chit-chat, and and, uh, we kind of exchanged information, and uh, we've been a fan of your YouTube channel there for a while, and uh, thought maybe this would be a good time to have you on and just uh, chat some more, get to know each other, and get to know some more about uh, Jetpack 7. A love story for the ages. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Reese, you kind of dove in and volunteered to be a part of one of our usual podcasts here. So how these work for for Reese and everyone who is listening at home is we're going to have a a little segment at the beginning, our dessert round, where we're going to talk about news articles and recent products, projects, campaigns um, within the past few weeks. And uh, everyone has brought something to the table this week. Uh, shout out to John. We won't say too much, but our co-host John is uh, out for this week uh, with a new little one. Uh, so congrats to mm-hmm. him. Happened today yes. and uh, everything went well. So that's always great. Uh, but let's dive into our news articles. Uh, get things these things going. This is our Community Pulse segment. And let's see, we have a lot of Kickstarters rolling down the pike this evening. I'm looking at Troy, Catherine, and myself at least. I'll have one. I think Reese maybe has one in his back pocket as well. All right. Troy, let's start with you. You got something going on. All right. Uh, I, I, I found this. Uh, these monsters have minds of their own. It is a deadly new system of narrative AI for the 40 most played D&D monsters. Oh, yeah, I saw this. Yeah, yeah and I, I'm very curious about this. I, I, I love the uh, These Monsters Know What They're Doing um, book. That is a fantastic book. And if mm-hmm. and I'm guessing this is something you know similar to that. Um, there are uh, 750 D100 rollable combat narratives Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that you can throw out there. Uh, some extras that you can uh, use. Uh, 200 combat insults, uh, <laughs> criti- critical hit and death blow tables, um, some new tricks and traps for thieves, uh, plus uh, deep dives on some different mo- monster culture and, and psychology and stuff. And so I thought this would be a, a very interesting uh, product to have at the table to keep those to keep those uh, those fights fun and exciting and not just uh, slogs of beating up bags of hit points. Yeah, the, that idea of the barks, like 700 barks, is a great uh, opportunity there. That's the one thing that can add those like really fun moments to a combat, especially one that's slogging down or whatnot. As soon as your bad guy has something fun to say or your bad guys to kind of rile up the players and kind of poke and prod, uh, especially when they're losing. Uh, <laughs> that's always helpful. So cool. I, I'm, 
I'm interested in their quote unquote AI monster AI and what yeah, that yeah. means. So uh, this is go ongoing on Kickstarter right now. Um, as of this recording, there's still 24 days left to go. So there's going to be plenty of time if that sounds interesting to you. Uh, a new way to spice up D and D's most popular monsters. Uh, give it a check out. Uh, Catherine, you got another Kickstarter. This one is in the past, but something that you thought uh, people can still get on board with and, and something you thought we should bring to attention. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a, an, a premise that I personally really enjoy. Um, it is called Monster Care Squad. <laughs> um, and it says in the Kickstarter uh, that it takes place in a sort of um uh like ghibli-esque world like you know vibrant colors and um and lots of mystical sorts of mysterious type moments and things um but uh the well first off the the sample art is super cool um very vibrant but um the whole premise is that you guys um that humans slash humanoids, basically, and monsters did used to live uh, in in relative harmony or at least coexistence, but uh, uh, there's there's this thing. It's it's not like a being or anything, or at least it doesn't say that in the in the Kickstarter. It's just this. Um, this golden substance or or something that infects them or corrupts them hmm. um, and it is your job through all your various different specialties as characters to basically cleanse the monsters from that corruption and heal them back to their um, their normal more relatively more peaceful selves interesting so it's yeah um, I think it's a, a cool, a cool way to have an RPG with high stakes, like, like, um, with high stakes that are really only, no, mostly felt in combat, but not necessarily, you're not necessarily trying to beat everything into submission. Um, your goal is to heal it. Like, Interesting. I, think, I think that's a really cool, really cool concept. Hmm. The thing that's weird, not not in a bad way, the thing that's cool weird about this Kickstarter is that one of the things they're offering is a vinyl record soundtrack as part of the rewards. I'm like, I like that a lot. Uh, yeah. but, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I have never seen that tied to an RPG product before, but uh, I can get behind vinyl record add-ons. So. Mm -hmm. uh, one last thing, though, that I really appreciated about this Kickstarter on the... Um, on the actual fundraising level is that it, um, at least by the time that I hopped in, um, it has a, a tier specifically called the, the hardship tier where you can get the PDF for a discounted price. If you're just, you know, having a hard time, but really still want to support, um, an independent creative group of people. That's cool. <laughs> so that that's was, cool. that's, that's cool. That's the only way that I was able to participate in it, so I really appreciate it, at least. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Good for them. Uh, they uh, were successful. 
Uh, they raised, yeah, yeah, uh, by a lot. Yeah, they raised a little over $70,000 with 2,000 backers. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they are allowing late pledges right now. So if you go onto Kickstarter and you click the late pledge button, uh, you'll give them your email. And I believe that should take you pretty soon to their backer kit. And from there, you'll get access to all the things from the Kickstarter. So definitely give them a look. Uh, I'll throw a last Kickstarter into the mix. Uh, this one is uh, kind of special to me. Uh, this one is called Supers and Sorcery. Um, Supers and Sorcery is put on by Adam Hancock and a whole bunch of other DMs Guild creators, including uh, a good friend of ours, Cameron Day, who does a lot of reviews on his own show and is a good content writer on the DMs Guild. Um, all of these DMs Guild writers have put together a new setting. Basically, the idea is bringing superheroes and sidekicks, supervillains, and kaiju-like monsters into 5th edition. Um, so there's a new city called Beacon, and the premise is that you're going to play as a group of fantasy superheroes in this uh, capital city. Um, they've got a whole bunch of new villains and monsters, supervillains, uh, for you to add in. They've got samples of how to do like a mission or, uh, or a quest in this world. Um, I think it's a really cool uh, premise uh, that they've put together really well. They've got some cool art already for it. Um, it was successful right out the gate. I think they funded in 10 hours. They're at about $8,000 right now. And uh, they've still got several weeks to go. Definitely, if I if I could uh, influence you one way or another, I would send you towards Supers and Sorcery on Kickstarter. Awesome. Heck yeah. That looks awesome. Mm -hmm. I like that idea a lot. Yep. This is the first yeah. Kickstarter, I think, for a lot of these people. but I And that sometimes, I know, steers away some of our listeners, some of the people who frequent Kickstarter. They want to see people with experience. And I would encourage you, a lot of these folks are uh, uh, gold medal or higher sales writers for the DMs Guild. So they have experience producing content. They're producing good content. It just hasn't been Kickstarter up until now. So uh, you're getting a quality work, I'm sure. All right. Uh, Reese, we haven't given you a whole lot of time yet. Uh, what what would you like to shout about right now? Uh, mine's, yeah, mine's more of just a a shameless plug. Oh, do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, we partnered with uh, Layer and Draco Studios to uh, bring out some 3D printable files for our Legendary Dragons book, which is uh, kind of technically our most recent book, but uh, kind of our second to last book. Um, our most recent book is Gods and Goddesses Redux. That's another one you should check out. That's a redone version of our very first book. Um, it, it updated a lot of the language, and then we added in Thor and Athena, so I guess I'm shouting out two things right now. Um, but the, the minis for this project are absolutely gorgeous, and it just has me dreaming of days uh, when I can play D&D in person <laughs> again. <laughs> I hear that. And I'll finally be able to bust these out because that it, they look absolutely insane amounts of detail, and uh, they they're very good representations of the very very talented artists that worked on the actual book itself. Absolutely, Legendary Dragons is I would I would argue very strongly the most gorgeous book on my shelf. Wow, um, it's Ooh. it's definitely like I would say and and. You, anyone's welcome to argue with me, I suppose. But I would say that Legendary <laughs> Dragons is um, one part 
like bestiary and lore and one part coffee table book. Um, just in the amount of art and the scope of the pieces that it offers. It, you can flip through that book and enjoy every every page just from a visual aspect before you read any text and and I love it. So it is definitely art forward. Yes. Yes. And a whole bunch of different styles, right? I mean, I don't know how much how involved you were on that side of things with the art direction or or, or <laughs> art selection or interacting with the artist, but like, gosh dang, there's a lot of different uh feels and creatures and and uh themes going on for a book about dragons mm -hmm. i i stay away from i think i stay away from the art for everyone's good uh that is definitely not not my realm of uh of specialty but um yeah they 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 use we have a bunch of different artists that we work with regularly and um they're all obviously very very freaking talented because they're it's just gorgeous and then that all comes back to the art director of concept topless who's also the uh the concept topless jetpack seven are all one one mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. interesting now uh go ahead and we kind of uh maybe put the cart before the horse here but i don't care um people <laughs> should know you by now anyways we've we've hyped you before um reese you're an associate with jetpack seven but kind of give our listeners a little insight into what you do for that company um, and where they can find you Sure. Uh, so my my biggest involvement, my most regular involvement with the company right now is definitely running their YouTube channel. Um, it's just the jet. It's just Jetpack Seven on YouTube. If you want to check it out, I make all sorts of D and D related content. Um, I've been doing a, a big series of like ranking videos. Those are always the classic. Um, everybody loves and hates those. Uh, <laughs> always fun. Always fun to to debate with people on those. Um, but then I do want to expand into into other just general nerd related content because that's mm. that's really what Jetpack Seven is is all about. Is we D and D is our focus, but really it's just buy nerd stuff for other nerds. We're mm. we're we we are nerds who write nerd stuff, and that's and that's it. And so anything any way I can help with that is is generally how I'm going to get involved in this company. Yeah, very cool. Awesome. That seems like a solid business plan to me. Nerds yeah. who write nerd stuff. I like nerds it. who write yep. nerd stuff for nerds. <laughs> for nerds. Yes. Yeah. And your videos are already. Uh, we we've talked about them a little bit, but um, I really enjoy uh, catching your uh, ranked archetype videos. Like you said, everybody's everybody does those to, in their own way, or at least everybody has had that conversation amongst their table or amongst their friends, but. Um, you do a good job, and uh, I like that you dipped in and found not just uh, like the player's handbook uh, uh, subclasses, but but the whole whole roster, and that makes it a little bit more interesting than than the standard. Yeah, I did that to myself with some of those. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to getting to wizard. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I think, I think last I counted was 13, 13 yeah. archetypes. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. It's crazy. Um, Job well, security. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too hard. Um, well, we're really excited to have you. Um, it's been a blast chatting with you uh, uh, over over Messenger. And uh, we're really glad. We're, we like that. Uh, we've had a few guests come on and just say, hey, let's just do a regular episode and let's chat about a topic. And that's fun for us. And uh, we were excited when you had that. So Troy threw out a topic that I thought would be uh, excellent for our main course this evening. Um, 
talking about railroads versus sandboxes. And um, Troy, I think I'm going to let you kind of take the lead reins on this. We've we've bandied about some different ideas or or different points on this matter, but uh, as this was your idea, I'm going to drop it in your lap and uh, right. let you run with it. That's awesome. All right. Well, you know, everybody talks about how they they don't like to be railroaded in their adventures. Um, and you always see, oh, this this is too much of a railroad, no choice. Um, everybody wants a sandbox um, adventure so that people can go wherever they want. My argument is I really don't think that there are are very many, if any, actual adventures that are sandbox. The sandbox is, to me, is the setting. Are you allowed to go wherever you want? Once you find an actual adventure, that adventure has tracks to it, regardless of how you got to the adventure. And because there's always a, oh, here's something that happened. Uh, Do you guys jump on the train and go okay now you're going after the big bad what's the next step there's always a next step and so by definition there's tracks Mm -hmm. you might come to a depot and there's three tracks leaving the depot and those are your three choices for that part of the adventure but you're still going to the next destination in the adventure so i i I just I asked Zach what he what he thought about the whole concept because I mean to me the sandbox is the area in which you play with your railroad tracks. Yeah. I I think and by and large I agree. I we in our discussions I talked to you a little bit about um I can recall a time or two um where I feel like we actually stumbled into playing a sandbox game. Um uh one one example of that would be uh, we were on our way to the story and um, during an encounter, our ship got uh, destroyed. We were shipwrecked on an island that was not part of the adventure. And we loved it there. And we spent several months uh, salvaging things from the wreck, uh, hunting and trapping, um, getting to know the natives, um, just basically exploring the space without having any care or concern for getting back on the track, so to speak, and, and, and playing through the narrative. Um, so were we playing D and D then? Absolutely. Were we playing through a story with tracks? No. So I guess we're, we were doing a sandbox. Uh, but I agree that I think it's few and far between, um, in that regard. I, to me, you, you, at that point in time, you were not, playing an adventure you were interacting with with the world at large Hmm. and that's to me that's different than going on an adventure Hmm. because an adventure always has a starting point in the next step Hmm. you could argue though that the goal of um okay your ship is destroyed your ship wrecked on an island you need to figure out how to survive. Here are your tools. You could argue that that would be an adventure because, you know, somebody could write an adventure where oh, yeah. where the goal was, you know. And technically really, speaking, 
there was still tracks on the island because to continue on to your destination, you probably had to build a new boat or something. So there is, okay, you, you, you've wrecked, your ship is toast, you're on an island, what do you do? Hmm. Well, eventually, we're going to jump back on the track and go, but for the next couple of months, we're going to hang out on the beach, we're going we're gonna to kick it with the natives, you know, <laughs> drinking, drinking uh, coconut milk out of the coconut and umbrellas and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> True. Uh, Reese, let's get you into this conversation. Yes. What's been your experience? Um, so, so I'll give you a little bit of background. This kind of, I'm sure that this came up uh, due to the fact that a lot of us play uh, run Adventures League. And one of the things that was said during uh, Gen Con this year, some of the uh, a side comment from one of the players was that Adventures League feels like it's very railroady. Mm. And so mm. that was kind of the impetus. So my question to you would be, like, uh, what's been your experience? Do you have an, uh, do you have a thought of, or preference about railroading or, or, or sandbox or what do you, uh, what do you find yourself interacting with most often? I, I've actually had pretty unique experiences with both of them. Um, okay. I, to me, sandboxing and railroading is merely how you make your players feel. If you are a GM and you make your players feel like they're being railroaded, then you aren't doing your job. And if you are a GM and you make your players feel like they're in a sandbox with nowhere to go, then you also haven't done your job. I think uh, I have failed <laughs> as a GM before <laughs> where I, I tried to do a more sandboxy experience at one point in my campaign. Um, and, and like you were saying, Troy, um, they got off the tracks at a, at a station, but then there was nothing yeah. left. There was nowhere for them to go. They had no idea what to do and they kind of just floundered around for a long time. Um, and so then I kind of like, kind of scooted them back over to the railroad tracks <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and, and they had a lot more fun. And so I think it, it really just determined, it's really just determined by how the players are feeling in that moment, less than, uh, like a physical adventure. Cause, uh, part of the illusion of a, of a sandbox is if you're going down railroad tracks and you can't see what's in front of you, you can't tell if you're being railroaded or not. So like your players will be like, I want to go left in the forest. I want to, do you want to take the north path, the west path or the east path? But all the paths go to the same place and you'll never know that unless you take every single path individually. So in that case, it's like, oh yeah, we have the, it's, it's the illusion of choice idea. Mm. So it's, I, I think sandbox and railroad are kind of like a, just more of a more of a <laughs> this sounds so hippy dippy but it sounds like it's it's more of a state of mind <laughs> you know what i totally agree with that i totally agree with it's the state of mind because i don't like to be railroaded you know if it's like because to me you know the, the the extreme case of railroading is oh you're playing a fighter you have to play him this way you have to make these choices oh no you have to turn right at the tunnel you know that's that's kind of you know that's railroading where where the the character has no choice whatsoever, right? But having an adventure on tracks, it's just like a movie. All movies, you know, 
you might not be able to follow the tracks as you're watching it, which makes it a really good movie. But, you know, it's, it's on a track. You have to go from point A to point B to point C in order to tell the story. I always go back to Skyrim as as my example of like a quote unquote ah. sandbox adventure, because technically, you know, you have your you've got your starting point, And then once you get out of that starting point, technically, you can go anywhere you want. Yep. The world is your oyster. You can walk to a place that you could that there's nothing there's nothing for you there, but you can go there anyway. Um but at the end of the day, if you want to progress in the game, you're going to follow the tracks that have been laid. Hmm. Yes. I have maybe a bit of a different perspective on it, and it comes from an experience I had from like a very early uh, party. Hmm. Um, and it was, we could do whatever we wanted, but within that, the NPCs would only interact with us if we did certain things and i know that sounds like oh well okay i mean you know every npc you have to relate to them right in order for them to like you know be willing to continue to relate to you but like it was there is there was a moment where um i didn't my character didn't want to give an item to an npc that the npc was asking for and she was holding it in her hand and um, the DM assumed that I gave it to him and I said, oh, but I, I didn't give it, I didn't give it to you. And he just said, well, I take it anyway. And then he continued on with the interaction hmm. and there was no, there was no, um, I, I couldn't have like a contested anything mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm. I couldn't protest because the story moved on too fast, but it wasn't, um, it was the the session itself was a sandbox session, but the railroaded feeling was there because my agency as a player was taken away. Mm. So I guess my viewpoint would be I don't really see railroad tracks unless you're confined. Mm. Um, even if the railroad tracks are purely social. Mm. Um I think you hit I that see, I think you hit the yeah. nail on the head there actually with the taking away the agency. I yes. think that's that to me is railroading is when you when you take away the agency of the players. Totally. There's also something to be said and um you know Troy and I uh conceived of this thing called uh the amusement park during our discussions. Um but the amusement park uh is kind of I think a blend of the two and and I think Sandbox, a certain definition of sandbox maybe could incorporate this, but I think the the more generalized idea of what you're talking about when you talk about a sandbox doesn't. And that is that an amusement park has a ton of roller coasters, a ton of rides, and that's the point of being there is to ride the rides. Um, but you can walk around the amusement park, you can look at all the rides, you can interact with the vendors, you can do a thousand different things. But once you get on the ride you're on the ride. Mm-hmm. And I think that the same thing is largely true with some of the best D&D games, which is that it is a sandbox. You can go anywhere on the Sword Coast that you want, right? But once you choose to go down into the Yawning Portal, right, and mm-hmm. go down into Undermountain, now we are playing, you know, uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um, 
And that is the roller coaster that we are going on. When we come out, we can do whatever we want to. And we are, we're back wandering the amusement park. But uh, an open world without plot and without a story that actually pulls the characters along to some extent that have NPCs, villains, heroes, other heroes, um, uh, victims, monsters that drive story beats, even if the characters aren't there or don't agree, right? Um, is what makes the story uh, feel or have an element of realism to it. That it's not just the NPCs interacting. It's not... Um, it's not Minecraft or something like that. It's 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 something where all of these other people and entities and guilds and communities have a will and a mind of their own. Um, I think that we like a little bit of that. I would argue mm. that we kind of want a little bit of that railroad if we like story, right? Mm. If if that's what we're playing D and D for is story and getting that good juice and those good dramatic bits. Um, the opposite side of that, right, is like a dungeon. Which is, <laughs> which is zero story a lot of times. It's not the story has nothing to do with it, um, and it's really about the sandbox in a limited space. It's a it's a kitty sandbox. Um, <laughs> um, but I think I think there are these these variations where it as long as we are all in agreement that we want the kitty sandbox, we all can have fun in the kitty sandbox. And if we That's all fair. want the railroad and we want to play Tyranny of Dragons and just beat, 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 and just move along and never get outside the story, that's great too. But again, that's player agency still having an, uh, uh, still able to manifest because we're choosing which one of these rides we're getting on, whether it's the dungeon or the campaign or the one shot or the whatever it may be. I think it's definitely heavily flavored by your players tastes a lot of the time I, I think a good mark of a gm is or a mark of a good gm is being able to really listen to your players mm -hmm. and uh, figure out what they want out of a campaign because if, if your players do want more of a sandbox experience i found that newer players generally just want to play through a story that you've written a lot of the time they want to do some goofy stuff within there every now and then but a lot of the time they don't they're not as comfortable experimenting and and doing the kind of chaotic bs that experienced D, D players will get themselves into mm -hmm. that's true yeah, no doubt i ha i have tried that before with with some groups and you know when you say okay what do you do what do you, where do you want to go it it almost paralyzes some players to the point where hey you're in this sandbox and you can do and go and and and, and check out anything you want. And I think it overwhelms them so much. They just sit in the sandbox and pick out cat poop. Mm. Oh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's an awesome visual. Yeah. Um, geez. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, okay. So I think, uh, if we're gonna, if we're gonna kind of draw something of use from this discussion, I think that what reset is right on the head, which is that, um, listening to your players and if you hear a player or if you have players saying um hey i don't i feel railroaded or this campaign feels railroaded or this this adventure feels railroaded then what does that tell you right it means that they feel like they don't have agency does it mean that yeah. you don't that you need to throw out the campaign or or drop you know 
return the hardcover? Probably not. It just means that the way that it's going, the way things are going, the way the sessions are playing out, um, they don't feel like they have any say-so. If they say, well, this feels very sandboxy, or if they say, I don't know what to do now, right? That's the negative side of sandbox, as you were saying, Troy. Yeah. Uh, then then you probably do need some rails, right? It's time to put them on a ride. Um, so listening to that feedback from your players, and more often than not, what I find is that players don't say, this feels like a like you're railroading us or this feels like a sandbox that you've put us in. What they a lot of times say is this adventure feels this way Mm -hmm. Um, or this plot feels this way. And I, I think that the, it would, it would uh, be a detriment to us as DMs if we then agreed with them and said, yes, it is the adventure. How dare the adventure (laughs) railroad you. (laughs) Um, I think that that's our time to say, oh, okay, how can I tweak this? Because it's my story. It's, I'm the one telling it. Oh, or at least I'm facilitating the story being told. And, and how can we make this better? Something I've also heard players express is that uh, nothing, it doesn't feel like anything I do matters. Ooh. That's, mm. that's a big oh, one. No. And now, fortunately, they've never expressed it to me. <laughs> Uh, I've never heard that one, uh, thankfully, but I I have been a player in a campaign where I've had, uh, I've, I've been, we've reached a a consensus where that's, where that's happened, where it kind of feels like our, our actions in the actual campaign itself didn't affect anything. And that, that I think was another kind of, um, manifestation of, of railroading in a, Mm. in a way. Yeah, I think so too. Really cool. Okay, well, let me let me throw this out. Um, my my uh, home group is getting ready to start back playing in person again. Ooh, and uh, congrats! Yeah. And yes, congratulations! Great. Yeah, uh, the the game store that we uh, that we play out play at um, they have private rooms that are big mm. enough that everybody can be socially distanced and you know all that good stuff. So mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. was a, this was not a decision we took lightly. But anyway, I am. I'm running. I started an Eberron campaign before uh, the COVID dragon came, and what I what I tried to to tell them is, you know, I'm using the Adventurers League modules, but that doesn't mean they are a slave to this storyline. And I told them I want to want this to be a player driven campaign, and there seems to have been a little bit of confusion. Um, <laughs> Because uh, a, a player of mine and I were talking, and he's like, "Well, it doesn't really sound like what you're saying is player driven. It sounds like you have episodes that you want to run, and to see how we react to it. It's like, well, I have a base. I have I have these modules that I can. If if all you do is follow the tracks, I have the modules, and there we go." But I feel like, to me, player-driven is, you know, they're going on this adventure in this module, and maybe I describe something in a little bit more detail than what they think is is appropriate for, for something that doesn't really matter, and they fixate on it, and now they they think that this rock that they found is like, you know, 
some a gift from the gods and, and it takes them off on a different path. To me, that's what player driven is. Uh, what do you all think? I mean, because again, I have the modules, I have the storyline that we can play out. If they go left and completely abandon that storyline, I'm all for it. But I feel like if I don't have at least the modules there, or at least a couple of these modules there, to give them something to start down a path on, mm. you know, they're just going to be in that that kitty sandbox, not doing anything. <laughs> I would say, well, <laughs> so I guess the other thing is um, maybe what style of uh, players you usually DM for, um, or whether you're at a convention or not, because I totally agree with you. Uh, if we were thinking of convention games, um, you know, at least letting letting the side stuff happen as much as we can before bringing it back. But right. um, but uh, I currently, for example, for my server um, and for my in person game, whenever we get back to that. Um, it's a, uh, I don't have, I don't have mods. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have no, I don't have a book with me at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I, what I do have are, is the setting and the world building that I'm constantly doing with, you know, occasional, hey, what about this from, this would be cool from players, which is fun. But, and, but the main thing that I have is the, is the, the setting so far and the characters' backstories. Um, I would argue that a true player-driven campaign is if the DM takes the backstories and creates the campaign around them. Hmm. That's an interesting... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I could see that if they would have done backstories that kind of <laughs> allowed for that. And, okay, that, and that's, why, that's why it was like... <laughs> Okay, and, and and I just said my parameters were, you know, and they and none of them really know the world of Eberron that well, mm -hmm. so that's also part of it, you yeah. know. That's fair. Because if you know, where what do you guys want to do? It's player driven. It's like oh, I want to be from Redra. I want to adventure over in this. I was like, oh man, your guys are all over the place. So I just said, you guys were maybe in part of the last war or whatever, but for whatever reason. You have come to this town called Salvation, and this is where we're going to start from. Because there's so many different places you could go. Yeah, you could follow those those modules, no problem. Or you could come up with something else and take us, you know, completely left, and we'd never see the end of those modules, which is fine. I'm I am perfectly cool with that. But I kind of wanted to give them a, a a foundation to be at least begin their journey. Yeah, I think I think to me when when a player says that, when a player says it sounds like this, then what we need to recognize is that the proof is going to be in the pudding, right? Um, what they're saying is it sounds this way. That doesn't mean that that's how. That doesn't mean that that's how it's going to be. But their their hackles are raised by the idea of an adventure series that get that has a story beats that have a beginning and end point every session, right? 
Mm-hmm. And they're saying, oh, how can how can I mm-hmm. how can I have agency? How can this be player driven if it's a beat for beat thing? And mm-hmm. there's some w- concern that you as the dungeon master, whoever as the dungeon master, isn't going to be willing midstream to deviate, right? Um, you know, when I, I, I kind of know the series that you're running, of course, and if if they hop over and charn for a little while. And then get obsessed with Sharn. Well, the story goes back to salvation. Yeah, but if they, they don't get, have to. If but if they feel like you as the DM are like pulling on the leash a little bit, right? That's what they're concerned by, mm-hmm. um, and and that there will be potentially a punishment for them not doing the thing, right? Oh, we didn't go mm-hmm. back, and so Troy Troy uh, killed all our dogs while we were gone. And that would be the most heinous thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, side note. that's a player player quitting campaign. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but that anyway. that's what that's what they're concerned <laughs> by, right? That's that's what they're concerned by. Um, that doesn't mean that that's what they're going to get. Um, the the fear there, right, is that if that's what they're approaching it with from the very beginning, if that's the mindset that. Troy's going to kill our dogs if we don't do what he says. Um, then, <laughs> why why stop at their dogs, though? Well, that's what I'm worried about, right? Um, I know you. Um, <laughs> I mean, I like their dogs. Yeah. I'll, I'll let the dogs go. So only their dogs live. Yeah. Only their dogs. <laughs> no, but I think that that's it right there. That You've got to be aware that they are coming at it from that predisposition of hackles raised on edge because oh it's player driven but i don't feel like that's actually what it's going to be so my only feeling there would be um that there's some proving to do early on that Mm. it is player driven and everyone is a great option for that right because the first adventure there's five options or whatever four options of little missions to go on um Mm. and as long as you don't hand them a sheet of paper at the beginning that says, here are your four options. They'll probably feel like, golly gee, we've got so many things to do here. Troy's letting us just, wherever we go, there's an option for us. And yeah. uh, it'll be like, it'll all work. So. Yeah, I think and it's definitely, there's there's a big element of trust yeah. that, that yeah. goes into that because there are mm-hmm. DMs that I trust to take me through a campaign and I would be able to do pretty much anything that I want and I'd feel I'd feel open to that kind of uh, I don't, I, I, it makes it sound like I'm a terrible player that I'm just chaotic and destructive but um, and then there there are DMs that that I would that I know are less flexible with the way that they run a game and that's not necessarily a terrible thing it's just I know it's going to be a different D&D experience. I know that I'm going yeah. to be playing a different game than I would be if I was with the DMs that I know can improvise crap off the top of their head and roll with the really ridiculous stuff that I can come up with. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of this is information, right? Everything your players tell you, especially be- pre-session zero, is invaluable information for what you should be running throughout the rest of the adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I have a group that what we play is the furthest thing from anyone's mind, right? Oh, you want to run, grab a book off the shelf, let's run it. And that, mm-hmm. that would be fine because they're not really there to get through a story and they're not really there to play D&D so much as they're there to hang out. And that makes mm-hmm. it easy. 
Um, if you have a slot zero for them, you're going to hear a lot of, oh, that sounds fun. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. Um, there's other groups that I run for and that I've experienced in the past where the story really matters or the combat really matters or the player agency really matters or whatever. Right. Um, and mm -hmm. you get the most of that information out of a slot zero or pre slot zero that lead up, um, so, and in the down times, right? When you say, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, side note on that too. Um, even times when I've had a session zero, the more, uh, I don't want to say the better information, but the more um, self-aware information comes mid-game. Mm -hmm. Even if we have a session zero to figure things out beforehand. That's probably fair. Especially for a group that's newly formed, right? That mm -hmm. doesn't that hasn't been playing one thing and now it's just transitioning, but is like coming together for the first time. Yep. That's fair. Mm -hmm. You don't know each other. Some people aren't gonna be willing to voice things and you don't know each other's play style. So take some time to hit your stride yeah. as a group. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Cool. Well guys, uh we're we're right at about forty five minutes. Uh anybody else have something they want to add to this conversation before we close it out? Just talk to your players, man. That sounds yeah. like that's oh, yeah. it. Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. You want to you want to get a, a good campaign, good D and D campaign in. Just have an open conversation and be ready. Just to get ready. Toss your pride out the door and <laughs> talk to your players. It'll be a great yeah. game. And players talk to your DMs. That too. Um, yeah. Yes. Flip side of yes. that, you know, there's one of there's one of you and there's five of them if you're mm. a DM. But um. <laughs> um Players, you outnumber them, you outrank them, and 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 you can you can get a lot done if you voice your opinion. Um, <laughs> there's people that agree with you, so. but it better be the right opinion, or, you, or your dogs are dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't voice the wrong opinion, or it's, your character's not going to have a good time. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> or your character's dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dog. <laughs> well, Reese, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. It's uh, been fun. Thank you guys uh, for making excellent products uh we haven't talked about i mean i think we've covered maybe covered legendary dragons and um and your youtube channel on the on the podcast before but we should definitely be covering all of your stuff uh before this is all said and done uh you guys do good work and we appreciate you for it thank you thank you is there anything where can where can people find you we've already talked about your youtube channel is just jetpack seven um but yeah. is there any other places you would steer folks uh, yeah, jetpack7.com is our website. Uh, we have a Discord that has several different channels where you can interact with the owners, you can interact with some of the writers. Um, that's that's our big community communication point. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, comment on my YouTube videos, tell me how stupid I am, and, and <laughs> tell me how bad my hair looks, and we'll be good. We'll be good friends. We'll try to do all those things. Sounds good. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, hey, thanks, Reese. Thank you, Troy. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, my name is Zach. And uh, for all of us here at Bite Size Gaming, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Good gaming, everybody. Bye, all.